Well, I heard a fun story this week. Are you all right, Ted? Not really. Poor Ted. Uh, you know, the, the devil comes after us when uh, we have high holy days. And uh, Jessica, as she said, called me late last night. She didn't think she could be baptized because she had to go to work. And uh, Fernando couldn't be here today. And so we're, we're challenged in a few ways. But well, you remember what Wednesday was other than Wednesday? It was Wednesday. Well, I heard a story. I don't. It's April Fool's Day, April 1st, right? I heard a story, Ted. Uh, Ted's married, has two kids. Uh, he and Joanna have decided since both the births of their babies were uh, premature and difficult, Joey and Ted, I think, have decided not to have more children. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. And uh, Ted teaches at APU, and he was in his math class, and, of course, uh, Joey would never bother him in class, but the phone started ringing, so he thought it was an emergency or something, I guess the version I heard. And so he said, excuse me, and went outside to take a phone call. And uh, Joey said, how would you like to be a dad again? And I think he fainted dead away there, and the students were fanning him and giving him smelling salts, and he finally woke up, and she said, April Fool's Day. Uh, so a pretty good little story. Uh, I don't think he actually fainted. That's sort of my embellishment, but... Uh, Anyhow, uh, kind of fun. Well, um, other than Ted's uh, experience on Wednesday, it's been a tough week for a lot of people. On Friday, I got a message from somebody that I care about, a maintenance person that's worked here for us on and off, and uh, we were going to ask him to come back to work for a little while to do some projects, and he said, I can't come because I'm trying to resettle my family. We've lost our house. And he'd been negotiating with the banks, but it didn't work out, so another foreclosure. Um, the unemployment rate is going up. Some people are saying it'll hit 10%. That's kind of scary. And you hear news of the stories from Elkhart, Indiana, and even places here in Southern California that are 15 20% unemployment. A radio station in L.A. did a survey, and they asked listeners uh, who was taking a vacation this year or what their vacation plans were. And here's how it broke down. 39% of the people who responded to this survey said, no vacation this year. That's four out of... Another 23% said that they're going to take a smaller vacation this year, and then 14% they said they would only take day trips, and 24% actually said no vacation at all this year. More bad news. Now, I'm not here to discourage you today, but even as you turn on the news almost every day this week, there's more about violence and the number of tragic situations have happened across our nation, let alone across the world. And so it's a tough time. It's a difficult time. And I recognize that. And I say that at the outset because I realize it's a tough time. And in our church, we've been trying to look up in down times. We realize this is a down time. Call it a recession. Call it a depression. It's a down time. And we determined to go through the Scripture and look at some of the miracles of Jesus and realize the power that was in Jesus to touch a person and heal them or to create bread and fish or whatever the miracle was. That same power exists today. We believe that. And we're asking for Jesus to do miracles in our lives to change us to be more like Christ. And so we are looking up in down times, and we're continuing that series. We'll end with another miracle next week. You get three guesses about what it is, but, you know, the first two don't count. So we're going to end with the greatest miracle of all next Sunday as we look up one more time in a downtime, and I encourage you to bring a friend, invite folks. I took some of those cards up to my hairstylist and said, Tracy, can I leave these here? I'd like you to come to church. Uh, and so invited her. You, there's all co- sorts of people you can be reaching out to and saying, hey, how about joining me Easter Sunday? And I hope you're doing that. 
Now, this morning, I would like for you to turn, if you would, to Mark chapter uh, chapter 11. It's on page 47 if you want to use one of the Bibles in your pew. Mark chapter 11. Now, this is the first day of Holy Week, and it's Palm Sunday. And preachers always have a dilemma on this day. Do you start off real serious, because, of course, Holy Week is very serious, or do you start off with the Palm Sunday celebration? You can guess where I always default to. We're going to be plenty serious as the week goes on, so we're going to talk today about celebration. And I'm really talking today about a Palm Sunday party. Now, I'm aware these are tough times. Yes, I'm going to talk about celebration. When you go through class... 301, we talk about the importance of corporate worship, coming together to worship God together as the body of Christ. And I always say in class 101 that for me, worship means three things at First Baptist. It's about inspiration, God's Spirit in us, inspiration. Secondly, it's about celebration. This is Resurrection Day, and we celebrate Jesus is alive. And then thirdly, it's about preparation. It ought to help us prepare for the week. And that's what worship is to me when we come together. This morning, even though it's a tough time for a lot of people, I want to talk about celebration. Is it possible to celebrate in the midst of a down time? Now, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark is a, is a gospel that is very short. That's one reason I like it. Mark knew Jesus. He was not an apostle. Uh, he was a boy when Jesus lived, and he no doubt witnessed Jesus in various settings. He saw Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So Mark saw some of what he writes about. He probably got a lot more of it from Simon Peter as he writes this gospel. And some have called, in fact, Joel Green has a book called The Way of the Cross, and he talks about the gospel of Mark. So Mark is a pretty serious gospel. He, he's always aware of the cross. But nevertheless, we have this Palm Sunday story, which is in all four Gospels, and I want to talk about that this morning, and I want to talk about celebration, because it is a celebration. Now, think with me for a moment about celebratory moments in Scripture. Actually, there's a lot in the Bible about celebrating. Um, you, you remember when Noah was uh, on the ark, and he had all those stinky, smelly animals on there? Can you imagine how it smelled and how it sounded day after day? And so what do you think he did when he got off the ark and got his feet back on dry ground? The Bible says he built an altar to the Lord. I think he celebrated. And I think some of it was just, I'm finally rid of these animals, you know. I I can smell better now. You know, there was some celebration. Uh, Isaac and Sarah were older than any of you, and they'd waited a long time for a baby. You remember the story? A baby was born. They They named him Celebration, right? Well, not exactly, but that's a Steve Hasper paraphrase. What'd they call him? Isaac, which means laughter. There was some celebration. You could go on and talk about when uh, David brought the ark up to Jerusalem. He celebrated and danced before the Lord. Solomon, a few years later, built the temple. What did they do? They celebrated for days. And we could go on and on about Nehemiah rebuilding the wall and celebrating all the feasts in the Bible. The Feast of Passover, which is now the Feast of Purim, the Feast of Tabernacles. All these were celebrations. So there's a lot of celebrating in Scripture. And in Mark chapter 11, there's some celebration. Have you found Mark 11? Okay, good. Um, As we look at that, uh, Mark's Palm Sunday is not a grand celebration. It's condensed. It's subdued. Mark is aware of what's coming up. And so this is a subdued celebration. I wrote this down as I was studying. Um, Mark's 
story of Palm Sunday is more Presbyterian than Pentecostal. Uh, Luke has a livelier version of the story where as people celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem, they get so loud that the Pharisees or the Baptists are upset. I, I didn't say that, did I? No, it's just that I've heard this before somewhere where people said, it's too loud. Anyhow, we're back to Luke. I'm talking about the Gospel of Luke. And the Pharisees say, it's too loud. Jesus, would you turn down the, the disciples' music? And Jesus said, if I turn it down, what's going to happen? Rock and roll. You didn't realize rock and roll started on Palm Sunday, did you? But Jesus said, check it out in Luke, he said, if they be quiet, the what? The rocks are going to cry out. Rock and roll, that's what I'd call it. So, there you go. Uh, when church gets a little loud, it was a little loud sometimes in Jesus' day. It was a little loud on Palm Sunday. They were celebrating. Parties get loud. And this Palm Sunday party got pretty loud. Now, that's Luke's version. That's the more Pentecostal version. Mark has it a little quieter. Maybe he was a Baptist. I don't know. Uh, Back to Mark chapter 11. Verse 1 says that Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. He's not actually in Jerusalem here. He's approaching it. And he's outside in these suburbs. Just two suburban communities are named here. Actually, throughout Holy Week, as we go through the services on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, Jesus commutes into the city. He stays in Bethany, about two miles outside of Jerusalem, and commutes into town each day and checks things out, does what he does. Um, Jesus is going toward Jerusalem here, and Mark captures that. He's by the Mount of Olives. And uh, I want to make just a couple comments as we walk through the story very briefly. Uh, This first section I just call preparation for celebration. Preparation for celebration. It says in verse... Uh, chapter 11, verse 2, that uh, Jesus said to his disciples, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. Untie it and bring it. Now, some have suggested, we don't actually know, but there were two people who went, two disciples who went in. Some have suggested one was Simon Peter. Could be, we're not sure. I like to think it was Simon Peter. But they are told to go into town and get a donkey and bring it back to Jesus. A couple of points. Have you ever felt like Jesus told you to do something, but it was a little fuzzy? You know, I have this desire, I have this urging, I have this, I think Jesus wants me to, you fill in the blank, but you're not quite sure. It's, notice these guys, think about it for a moment. Okay, suppose it's Peter. Peter and uh, Andrew, I want you to go to town and get me a donkey. Okay, a new donkey. I want a donkey that has that brand new donkey smell. So they take off and they say, now, wait a minute, we're going to whose house? Well, he didn't actually say. He said, you you know, you'd find this new car sitting in a driveway. Just get in it and bring it back to me. And that's a modern paraphrase, right? And when, so they talk to Jesus about this. They say, wait a minute, we're going to just go up to some guy's house and take his brand new smelling donkey? Yeah, he said, do that. But the guy will understand. Just say, well, it's for Jesus. Can you imagine pulling up to somebody's driveway and picking out a nice car that you like and getting in it and driving away, and the guy, they say, wait, 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 what are you doing? You're stealing my car. No, it's for Jesus. Oh, that's okay. Sure it is. Don't try this at home, as they say. But that's what these guys are told to do. So they go off and they take this brand new smelling donkey, and there's a point to all that. We give of our best to the Lord. We could go down that trail, but I'm not going to do that today. And they bring it back to Jesus. So there's some preparation for 
celebration. And I just want to make the point here, as these guys go and get the donkey and bring it back, they're on a faith journey, aren't they? They have to trust Jesus. We, he told us to go. I'm by faith we're going, and I'm trusting it's going to work out the way Jesus wants it to work out. Isn't that how it is when we follow Jesus? So often we're a little bit vague, but, you know, it works out as we look back over it. So these guys get the donkey. They don't get shot for taking the donkey. The guy seems to understand, loans them the donkey. They come back. Now, that's a bit about the preparation for this Palm Sunday party. Look with me now to verse 7. Verse 7. It says in uh, verse 7, Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and sat on it. Now, I want to take a break here because uh, some of you have been in church a long time. You understand this. But what happens on Palm Sunday is actually prophesied in, by the prophets. Zechariah, for example, spoke of this moment. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus never rides on an animal. Think about it. He'd never been on an animal. But now he gets up on this donkey and rides into the city. No Jew would miss the symbolism of Zechariah 9.9, which says, and I'll read uh, that quote, every Jew knew what this meant. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus is openly demonstrating, I am, I am the Messiah. I am coming into town in a spectacular way. Nobody there could miss what was going on. None of these followers of Jesus. They knew. Earlier, you recall, as we read some of these miracles, Jesus would heal somebody or do something. He'd say, now, don't tell anybody. Of course, they always did. But he'd say, just keep it on the down low. He was not wanting to become a celebrity or a rock star. But now, he's just days away from the crucifixion, and he gets on the donkey, and he rides into Jerusalem. And the people get it. In fact, <clears throat> let's, let's look at... Uh, the next scripture in verse 8, we read that uh, many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches and that, that they had cut down from the fields. This is, uh, I call this section, the appreciation is cause for celebration. When something good happens to us and we're thankful, hopefully we celebrate. Hopefully you say thanks. And I think that's what's happening here. Now I have a question for you, and don't ask, I don't want to embarrass anybody, so don't answer out loud. But here's my question. These people who are now celebrating Jesus, they're throwing down the palm branches, they're taking off their clothes and putting them down there. Think about those people. And here's my question. Who is in this crowd? Preachers oftentimes, and I hope to God I've not done this myself, but uh, who knows, preachers will often say something like this. The crowd that celebrated Jesus on Sunday and shouted, Hosanna, is the same crowd that yelled, and cried out, crucify him on Thursday. Have you heard that? I've heard that. Do you believe that? Here's the question now. Who is in this crowd? Fans or foes? Cured folks or critical folks? Healed folks or hateful folks? Who's in this crowd? In chapter 10, verse 46, Jesus is traveling towards Jerusalem, and it says there was a crowd with him. There was often a crowd with Jesus at this time. Who's the crowd? Well, this crowd, some have suggested, and I think it's correct, is a Galilean crowd. They're from where Jesus is. They're following him. I think, in fact, chapter 10 ends with the last miracle Jesus does, the last healing miracle in this gospel. Chapter 10 ends with the story of blind Bart. Not like Bart Simpson. It's a different Bart. 
and he's healed of his blindness. I happen to think that that guy might be in this crowd. I think walking with Jesus in this crowd were persons who couldn't walk, and now they can walk, and so they're part of the crowd. I'm sure that in this crowd was crazy Mary, who's no longer crazy because Jesus has touched her, her life, and now a number of women are traveling with Jesus. In fact, Luke says they support him out of their means, and they're part of that crowd. I think there's the woman who had the issue of blood, and she was bleeding and bleeding all these 18 years, and now she's cured and clean. I think she might be in that crowd. You, you see the point? These are people who have been touched by Jesus, and they appreciate him, and they're celebrating. I don't for a minute think these people yelled crucify later in the week. I don't believe that at all. It's a different crowd. These people love Jesus, and they're expressing their praise and appreciation because Jesus did something for them. So I call it a cause for celebration, appreciation. Now, one last comment on this section. Um, what do they do? Well, they, they literally use their hands, their feet, their mouths to find what they could. It's interesting, they don't get a bounce house here. They didn't really buy anything to celebrate with here. I don't think they spent money. They just found what they could, and they began to celebrate Jesus. And my last comment is that as they celebrate, they celebrate because salvation leads to celebration. Don't you think? Salvation leads to celebration. In this text, they're quoting not only Zechariah, but the Psalms. And at Passover time, they would sing these Psalms. As they'd go up to Jerusalem for Passover, they'd sing a song, a psalm. And as they left, they always sang Psalm 118, which was about the victory God gave them coming out of Egypt. Remember when the Jews came out of Egypt? That's what Passover's about. It's a celebration. And they always sang that song, and they said, Hosanna, which means God saves. And they said it because they knew God had saved them. Salvation leads to celebration. Now, as we think about this Palm Sunday moment, um, here I want to wrap this up by saying this. You can celebrate in down times. How do you do that? Well, stay with me for a moment. Where is Jesus headed? This is Sunday. Palm Sunday was on Sunday. What happens on Thursday? The trial begins. What happens on Friday? The crucifixion. Did that surprise Jesus? Was he blindsided? Did he not know four days from now I'm on trial? Well, of course he knew that. But nevertheless, he's, for this moment, he's celebrating. And I think that says something to us. I think that we can celebrate in the midst of difficult days and tough times. And here's a couple of things that I think you can celebrate. Uh, on the back sheet of your outline, if you want to note these, God can use you. That's a celebration. Now, I hope I don't get in trouble here or that you're not offended. But uh, do you ever feel insignificant? Do you ever feel like you don't count? Or do you ever feel like, you know, what I've done in life is just, it doesn't amount to much. It's not much. I feel that way lots of times. We all struggle with these feelings of, Oh, my life doesn't make any difference. It doesn't really matter. We have insecurities in our life. We all struggle with that. Now, remember the donkey? Good. In Matthew, there's a different word used. Luke, does, I mean, Mark doesn't use this word. But uh, Matthew actually talks about two animals there. And in the old King James Version, which was, of course, Jesus' Bible, right? It says that uh, they went and got an ass. Now, in the old days, that meant an animal. You know, we don't use the word ass so much for that anymore. But it meant they went and got an animal. That always encourages me that Jesus rides into town on this donkey, a brand new donkey, because what I think is that 
if Jesus can use one of these donkeys or an ass, he can use anybody, all of us. In fact, there's a story in the Old Testament about this, Jesus using Balaam's donkey or Balaam's ass. Now, stay with me for a moment. I was listening to Dallas Willard this week. He's a USC professor, very well known. He's also a Baptist. He's also a very prominent writer about spiritual formation. And he was speaking to a group, and he was quoting some old-time Christian, somebody from the Middle Ages, and the person was describing the apostles. And here's what this commentary from the Middle Ages said about the apostles. The person said, when the apostles looked in the mirror, they saw jackasses. Now, how do you figure that? What are they talking about? Well, let me ask it a different way. When, when Peter looked in the ear, do you think he saw um, this big white, uh, some sort of headpiece on him and big flowing robes and a big cross around his neck? And he said, wow, there's Pope Peter. You think that's what he saw? No. When he looked in the mirror, he just saw himself. And he thought, wow, I'm not much. Maybe he even thought he was a jackass. I don't know. And sometimes I think he looked in the mirror and thought, you know, why did I deny Jesus? Why did I do this stupid thing? In other words, when they looked in the mirror, they didn't see somebody special. They just saw themselves. But God can use us. And so I want to encourage you this morning. You can look up and down times because God can use a donkey. God can even use you and me. It's amazing. So be encouraged. Now, I want to put a picture of a guy up here. His name is Isaac Houghton, or Israel Houghton, rather, not Isaac. And I heard uh, Israel interviewed on Tavis Smiley. And anybody, any of you guys familiar with this guy? Joyce is. Ted is. Two of us. Well, now you're going to be familiar. He's got a brand new CD out. I haven't bought it yet. But he is the worship leader of the largest church in the country, Joel Olstein's church. And he was talking about his beginning in life. And he said, you know, my mom is white, my dad's black. And my mom uh, got pregnant when she was 17. And they, everybody said, you have to abort. You can't raise a child. You're too young. And then he said very simply, I'm so glad she didn't have an abortion. Well, it's kind of interesting to think about that. Could God use a pregnant 17-year-old? whose life looks like it's going in the wrong direction? Well, apparently God did, because from her came a son who is now a worship leader of the largest church in America, traveling all over the world, literally singing praises to the Lord and leading people in worship. Kind of neat. God can use you. That's all I'm saying. If you'll you'll do what Jesus is telling you to do, God can use you. Now, let's look at one, one other thing. Look up and down times. Celebrate what you have, not what you have lost. Would you turn to somebody and simply say, celebrate what you have? Say it some more. All right, I would like you to, uh, at least for, I don't know, 45 seconds, if that's not a stretch, to obey your pastor. Can you do that for just a short period? All right. I'd like to see your hands. I'd like you to get them up and wave them like this. Look at this. Pentecostal meeting. That's good. Okay, you've all got hands. I see everybody. Hans, your hands are. Come on. There, thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Now, uh, so I assume we've all got hands. Uh, You can blink your eyes or move your lips. I think we've all got lips. We've got ears. You're listening to me. You've got legs. You walked in. Wiggle your toes if you've got toes. Celebrate what you have. We've got some stuff. Now, That's what these people did on that Palm Sunday. As I said, they didn't rent a bounce house to have a party. They just took what they had and celebrated Jesus. Branches, lips, noise, Hosanna. So we can celebrate what we have, not what we've lost. I've talked to a number of folks lately that have lost a lot of money. 
The stock market is down. Their investments are shot. They've dropped 20, 30, 40, 60 percent. Lots of money has been lost. Now, you can get pretty depressed if that's what you look at every morning, right? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Rick Warren said years ago, and we repeat this in class 201 when we talk about giving, he said, Americans, most people would love to have your problems. Do you believe that? I do. Most people in the world would love to have your problems. Most folks would love to have your investment losses because they don't have any investments at all. So I want to encourage you to celebrate what you have at this Palm Sunday party. Viktor Frankl, one of the amazing writers coming out of the Holocaust, he was a teenager in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. He saw the horrors, the unspeakable horrors of that time, the brutality, the evil of it all. And he decided there as a boy in that concentration camp this, and I've got the quote in your notes. Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Now, Chuck Swindoll, who's a wealthy pastor here and writer in our country, hasn't suffered like that, but he says this, life is 1% what happens to you and 99% how you respond to it. I just want to encourage you this morning to celebrate what you have because we've got a lot and you can celebrate. Now, finally... Celebrate because God saves. The whole point of Palm Sunday is salvation. When we say Hosanna, we are saying God saves. And as we watch Jessica and Rachel be baptized, I hope that you went back to your own baptism and realized God has saved me. I'm a new person in Christ. Don't forget that newness. Don't forget what God has done and is doing in your life because God keeps on saving you every moment you breathe. We can celebrate that, and I encourage you to celebrate that on this Palm Sunday. Look up. Friend, look up. Have you looked up and seen Jesus? Have you looked up and said, yes, Jesus, I know you love me. I know you want to forgive me. I know you want to be my Savior and friend. Have you looked up and said yes to Jesus? If you haven't, what better time than to do it on Palm Sunday, to simply open your life to Jesus and say, yes, come on in. I encourage you to do that this morning. And if you do, come and speak to me or some pastor or someone in the church. Just share with them, I've accepted Jesus today. And then for all of us, I've written a little Palm Sunday prayer. Would you stand up and I'd like for us to read this prayer together. It'll be up on the screen. But uh, let's celebrate Palm Sunday by uh, reading together this prayer. Shall we read? Holy God, Almighty God, Lord, Lord God, Almighty God. I messed that up. Let's start over. I'll try to follow the script here. Holy God, Lord God, Almighty God, we celebrate you. We raise our hands in high praise. We open our mouth and hosannas sing. You save, you free, you heal, you forgive. There we go. With our feet we dance for joy you bring. We will use what we have and do what we can to celebrate you. Hosanna, Hosanna, amen. You may be seated.